Welcome to the Kerrville Bible Church Podcast. Listen in as our pastoral staff and occasional guests discuss a variety of topics from the Bible and other sources during our weekly staff meeting. Now, here's Chris McKnight with this week's discussion. All right. Well, welcome to Pastor's Podcast. Here we are. The foursome is back um, uh, among us today. Uh, We have all four of us, praise the Lord. And so we're part two of a healthy church. And so today we're going to kind of talk about, continue on with the marks of a of a healthy church, local church, and then maybe some uh, opposites, maybe some symptoms of a sickly, sickly church uh, as well. So on a lighthearted note, I thought I would start today with my list. So Scott came in last week <laughs> and he had the audacity, he had the, pro, he had the propinquity <laughs> to come with his own list of the healthy What was that word again? Propinquity, <clears throat> I love it. And uh, um, yeah, look it up. So I'm going to have to. I thought I would do the same today with my list of marks of a healthy church. Number one, a healthy church attends Family Day on October 2nd. <laughs> there you go. That's number one, Mark number one. That's, that's number one, Mark. I it's mean, uni- universal. There's going to be singing. There's going to be a devotional. There's going to be baptisms in the river. I mean, what? It, it should take wild horses to keep you away from that. So... Right? I mean, do y'all not agree that a healthy church... Actually, we have great sign-ups so far, so praise the Lord. Absolutely. More, yeah. more to come. October 2nd, family day at the park. That's, a, that's, that's my number one. Number two, <laughs> a healthy church is patient during the demolition of buildings and construction <laughs> of new buildings. Mm. <laughs> Glory. Do you, do you not agree? <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Another uh, universal principle. <laughs> I'm not sure these there. are on the top ten. Is but that they in First Corinthians? Where is that? Where is that one? <laughs> I'm gonna have to get Dever's book to see if there's any overlap here. <laughs> these are marks of a of a healthy church. Healthy number stuff. number three, a healthy church has a doctrinal statement that is at least 14 pages long. <laughs> uh, and then a healthy church attends classes on such doctrinal statement. Said doctrinal statement is. Uh, so, yes, we had about 80 in our adult class, and uh, we would love to see, you know, let's break the 100 number on that as, uh, as people come hungry for the doctrines of the Word of God. Yes. Are there donuts? Yes. There are donuts. There, there are donuts. There are the wow. little things with the little hot dogs in uh, them. Kalachi. Uh, the Kalachis. And the, like both sizes. Like there were the little minis, and then there was the, the big yeah. ones. So, there you go. Sounds wonderful. Three marks. That's my mess up book. <laughs> the three marks of the, of the true church. <laughs> All right. Um, now, as I, as I, uh, on a semi, on a more serious note, uh, as I think about a healthy church, I think we got to start by saying a healthy church has to be made up of healthy Christians, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, because yeah. the church, the church is is the people. The church is the body of Christ, and so. Uh, made up of healthy Christians. And here's where my mind went. And this is something I don't know that Mark Dever's list really has because his list and the list we talked about last week are things that are more uh, structural, more top-down, more um, form in some ways. Uh, but as we think about a healthy church made up of healthy Christians, my mind goes to healthy branches that are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So a Spirit-filled church. A healthy church is a church where the members of that church are bearing 
as healthy branches attached to the vine, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? Are any of these things, uh, I'm trying to re remember the nine marks. Is there even a chapter, what chapter would address that? His membership maybe? Membership chapter, I'm not, I'm not sure, but right? I mean, don't we have to think about... Membership, maybe discipleship. Discipleship, yeah. yeah. So... Um, Conversion. We could only be a healthy for? church if we come in as healthy individuals. Yeah. What do you all think? Yeah. Well, I think uh, another way to even put that more uh, universally is a healthy church is going to have intentional membership. You know, um, a, a membership that is uh, vetted by this, the the church um, to present to the to the church, we we affirm uh, this person is a believer. This person is a, a growing disciple of Christ, um, and uh, and the the church affirms that. I mean, I think if we're going to look at that on the on the unhealthy side, there are a lot of really unhealthy churches that have an unintentional membership process. It's just come down, fill out this card, we'll give a quick yay or nay, and you're in. Um, and I've never heard anybody not voted in on one of those, you know, little raise your hand polls or amen polls, and uh, and so you can you can fill your church with with people who are not growing in their faith, who are not spiritual. They're not spiritually mature. They're not spiritually maturing because they may not even be believers. Um, so I mean, I think that uh, kind of uh, supports that point that, that a church should be made up of growing disciples. Mm -hmm. Okay. A regenerate membership. Yeah. yeah. And I, th I think another way of looking at that is that a healthy church has high expectations. Um, you know, if you, give, if you have low expectations for your mm -hmm. membership and the level of commitment that is expected of them, that's what you're going to get. If you place a high level of expectations upon the body and and that's constantly the atmosphere in which they're living in um, you know they're going to be more prompted to take their responsibilities as a member of the local body a lot more seriously mm. right. instead and, of um, drifting off into consumerism exactly yeah well i think we got to start with i mean my my whole thing of being spirit filled is implying what happens first in regeneration mm -hmm. and and so the the sickliest of all churches is an unregenerate church mm. right that's a church yeah. of pagans that's a church of rebels that's a church of people still dominated by their sin and slaves to sin and all those things that are true of the unconverted unbeliever and so mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's a starting point in this intentional process is we've got a gospel that's being preached so that sheep and wolves are distinguished and divided. And I love Calvin saying, you know, the point of preaching the in the church is to gather the sheep and to drive away the wolves. Uh, and so, you know, it starts right there. You've got to have a regenerate membership if there's any hope, hope of health, if there's any hope of people bearing the fruit of the spirit right you got to be indwelled first so mm -hmm. um and that you know you just think of the worst of the worst stories of of church disasters mm. 
right? Most cases, you're probably talking about an unregenerate person in the pulpit preaching to a bunch of unregenerate people. Mm-hmm. Which, by definition, would mean it's not even a church, really. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Now, what is it then? Exactly. What What are those places? Yeah, just a, just a social gathering, maybe, right? A club. That's where I think it gets... It gets sticky when we talk about the word membership when it comes to the body of Christ, mm-hmm. right? It gets it can get sticky and I think we have to be careful how we define what the church is by definition biblically and then what is membership to that. What does that look like, right? Mm-hmm. Is it a joining a club? Are we signing up for a gym membership? Mm-hmm. What do, you know, what does it mean to be a member of this local body? Why is that why is that so important compared to well, I'm a I'm part of the universal body. Mm-hmm. I'm a member of the universal body of Christ. So why do I need to commit to a local body of Christ? So I think how we defend that biblically as to why we would say that's important is important to in our definition of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and and because uh, I think you could go too far one way in this membership idea that then there's this elitist group of members of XYZ church, right? And the, And there's... Instead of let's get back to what is the church? What is the church? We're saying what are the what are the marks of a of a healthy church? Well, what is the church? It's the body of Christ with Jesus as the head, and each of us individually members of it, given spiritual gifts, which we, we in order to be part of the church, we have to be spiritual people. There would be, by definition, you're a born again, regenerate person in order to even be part of the body of Christ, right? Well, then that person has been given certain spiritual gifts or a gift to participate and edify the body of Christ, which is, you know, Jesus as the head. So I think just the definition of church is so important for to understand what, what it looks like to be a, a healthy or what are the nine marks or seven marks or whatever of the right. church. Right, yeah, you've got to have the church properly defined yeah. uh, to, to, to uh, as... as First step for sure, but there are there are the then the arguments for <clears throat> local membership, right? So it's that distinction between the body of Christ, universal, and the local, and especially in our day when there's some eighty plus churches in one little town like Kerrville, um, I think it raises the the argument for uh, increase the argument for membership. Otherwise, you could you could just float around and be unattached and and unaccountable, and and uh, you know this group over here assumes you're a member over there, and that group over there assumes mm-hmm. you're a member over here, and you just bounce around and bounce back and forth, but nobody really knows you, and nobody you're not really accountable to any group of elders, or you're not really cons- you're not really serving that body consistently. I've seen that in my past. We had mm-hmm. a, we had a friend way back in the day in Tennessee who faded away from our church and told everybody he was going to a new church. And he did for a while, but he stopped. And we all assumed he still was. And they assumed he would come back to this home church that he had been at for years and years. But what he actually was doing was backsliding. Mm-hmm. He was actually going back to his life of sin. Mm-hmm. And, and he, and he just kind of kept these two groups in the dark. And so to me, because we're not in the first century where there's one church in each city, mm, you know, yeah. and, and Asia Minor, mm. uh, where we have all our denominations and all of these choices, to me, it, it, it makes the, st- the, the, the need for membership even more urgent mm. than less. Um, so, 
a thought on that. So I, I want to tie into that because there's a word that um, you guys have my book here sitting on the table. That was funny. So this is the best-selling <laughs> book I've ever written. <laughs> and, uh, Please tell legend, us the title and legendary. who is the who's the author? So who am I? Recovering the believer's true identity in Christ. And this will tie into I think again what's a healthy church because one of the points I made in that book is the most frequent identity for the believer in the New Testament is brethren. Mm -hmm. If you just want a sheer number, just the stats, mm -hmm. right? Uh, more than any other title or identity, it's it's brethren. It's brothers and sisters. Um, and so I think that gets us to something that's important when we talk about a healthy church. Yeah. Elaborate, guys. What, what, what do you think I'm saying about that? Well, it's, it's the family <laughs> metaphor mm -hmm. that, that, you know, we are a spiritual family. And when you think about the level of commitment that you have to your own organic, uh, you know, uh, family, you know, parents, children in the home, you know, that, that notion extends to the life of the church. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, if we had the same level of commitment to one another in the body of Christ that we have, you know, as faithful parents and children in, in the home, wow, mm. what an amazingly healthy church we would have. Um, wouldn't be without conflict. Just like there's would, conflict in the home. Right. right? <laughs> but it would be right. with a level of, of, hopefully, a level of willingness to work through that conflict because you know we're stuck with each other we have to work through you know what other conflicts we have mm -hmm. you know I, I maybe getting beyond what you wanted to do today chris but you know one of the things i was thinking about as far as an unhealthy church is when members are not encouraged to deal with conflict mm. with one another and and a lot of times you have gossip, which can can spread like gangrene mm -hmm. in a church and absolutely destroy it. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because people people hear rumors about so and so did this or that or whatever, and and we even are are you know susceptible to receive gossip and hear gossip without challenging it. And saying, wait a minute, how do you know that this is what's going on? And have you dealt with this situation, you know, where, you know, this person has done whatever? Right. And, and so you have a lot of undealt with conflict and tension within the church. And uh, that's destructive. So, so as families, I mean, if, you, if you're going to live in a healthy family, you're going to deal with conflict. You're going to deal with conflict with your children. You're going to deal with conflict between siblings. You know, you're going to deal with conflict within your marriage. You know, uh, otherwise you're looking at an unhealthy family life. Mm -hmm. right. right. Well, an unhealthy or a, a healthy marriage is not absent of conflict. It's how do we deal with the conflict, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's marriage 101. Trying to just avoid conflict and pretend it doesn't exist and and, and at all costs, we're not going to have conflict. And that's an unhealthy marriage. That's an unhealthy right. home. Right. Right. It's it's not the absence of conflict. It's how do we deal with the conflict, exactly. right? And yeah. and so even like your, the metaphor of being a, the church is a family, you know? Right. And I was thinking as you're talking, uh, Scott, just second or First Corinthians 12, Verse 25, just the whole, obviously the whole chapter of 12 talking about the body of Christ, but so that there may be no division in the body. 
I mean, what should we be fighting for? We should be fighting for unity. What does the enemy want more than anything is division. And what little conversation, what little spark needs to be said for there to be a little wedge of division caused in a a body of Christ of 300 people here Mm -hmm. at KBC, right? Just one little conversation. And so, man, we fight so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another, which mm-hmm. is this brethren idea, mm-hmm. brotherly love. And so that we have, yes, there's going to be conflict. We all have, in the four of us in this room, have different personalities. We don't agree on everything. Unity doesn't mean agreeing on everything, right? But that there's a greater good that we lock arms and fight for. Mm-hmm. And that's the gospel. Like, we'll... That's paramount. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I think that, that this, man, there's nothing more sickening to the Lord and to me as a pastor, but to the Lord that when there's division, man, when there is someone who comes in and whether it's a, a wolf in sheep's clothing to come in and cause just a little bit of division, just one little comment here, you know, mm-hmm. man, that needs to be eradicated. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think when we talk about conflict, we got to talk about forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we we often would say you can't have a you can't have a healthy marriage without constant forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't have a healthy family life. Same with the church, right? So we, we got to take it to the next step. Uh, it shouldn't surprise us that we sin against each other. I mean, this is part of the point of why you can't have virtual church and it and it be anything because you've got to be you've got to be interacting with each other because mm-hmm. that interaction inevitably brings conflict which mm-hmm. inevitably brings the opportunity mm-hmm. to forgive, to forgive. Mm-hmm. and uh, which is part of why God puts us together in churches and in families you know right? yeah. so we talk about this all the time with marriage yeah. counseling you know marriage is the great sanctification lab mm-hmm. and if that's true of marriage it's also true of the church yeah there's another corollary to that you know that you know obviously Forgiveness and, and repentance is a is a two sided coin there, but but also I think you know is a willingness to overlook minor infractions. Okay, First you Peter know, love yeah, covers a love multitude covers of sins. a multitude of sins, and I, and I think there's a certain humility and grace that needs to mark the believer so that That's they're good. not getting upset with every little tiny infraction, right? You know that they right. see because you, you don't have to deal with every little you know, word or misinterpreted statement that somebody says and you go home and you get all bitter and bent out of shape about that. Yeah, you you have to give you know, love, you know, gives the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. To others. And, and so a healthy church is gonna be filled with people that are willing to give the benefit of the doubt, you know, when somebody says something that could be easily misinterpreted or done or whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. That's good. That's very good. Think the best of one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, love believes all things, hopes all things, mm-hmm. endures all things, bears all things. <clears throat> right? How will they know us? They will know you by your our love. love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not by our doctrinal statement. Not by our purpose pillars and foundation. Yeah. Not by our uh, great new buildings, Lord willing, that are here a year from now. They'll know us. By our love, mm-hmm. they'll know him by our love. That's the badge, and uh, and all these things we're talking about are evidences of love. Yeah. You know, they're they're marks of it. Yeah, it goes back to that 
that passage in Ephesians 4 when he says, but speaking the truth in love, we we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself up in love. Okay, so let me throw out a question to you guys, because we, we all know the Christian that's hard to love. And uh, I remember my pastor back in Tennessee would say, boy, you get up in the morning and you tell the Lord, I'm going to love everybody you put in my path this, today, you know, and then by nine o'clock, here comes the impossible, <laughs> the impossible challenge. So you guys as pastors, uh, sh- share something that helps us to do that. Share something that helps us to love one another. What is something that has helped you to love the unlovable, the unlovely, the hard to love? Mm. Take a look a at uh, take a look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> All right, okay. take a good, uh, honest look at who are you. You know, I would say, and and you can't, you know, you can't have a successful marriage, can't have successful uh, church family without without a, a true, honest look at yourself, and and there be some humility in that. And so, to love the unlovable, wow! I mean, we'd call we called them. I was uh, there's a some kind of a ministry book is called Finding Your Place in Ministry and has to do with spiritual gifts. And they call them VDPs, very draining people. (laughs) VDPs, man, exhausting, right? But God's brought them here. I mean, hopefully I'm not one of them, right? (laughs) So who am I to say, well, God brought that person, but But we all can be. Yeah, we absolutely can be at certain times. But the very draining person. And so how to, I think the, to answer the question from, from you, Chris, my answer to it would be, how could I be Christ to this person? Because how would Christ teach, or how would Christ uh, uh, relate to and minister to that very draining person? Right. But how, what st- would he do, right? I think you started it with something that's essential, right, is humility. I mean, can we actually love another person without being humble? Is that even possible? If love is self-giving and sacrificial and putting the best interest of the other above our, ourselves and what is what is in their best interest, you know, it, it seems like that they go together. It's like, is it even possible to truly love someone outside of humility? Yeah, because if you, if you think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, <laughs> as Paul says, right. Then you're going to look down at everyone else, and you're especially going to look down at those unlovable people because you think, you know that that you know they're so far below you that they're not right. worth your time. But if you don't think so highly of yourself, right. and you see yourself on a on a level playing field with everyone else around you, you're going to be much more inclined to extend yourself to those around you than if you see yourself as oh these lowly people. I, right. I don't. I, I don't have time for them, yep, right? right? My time's not productive, yeah. you know, won't be productive if I spend time with this particular person who's a time drainer, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, Pride kills love. Yeah. Get, One thing that uh, has uh, encouraged me um, when I've thought that somebody, maybe somebody was uh, monopolizing my time or something or... Um, is uh, Psalm 41, and it says, Happy is the one who is considerate of the poor. The Lord will save him in a day of adversity. The Lord will keep him and preserve him. He'll be blessed in the land. So I just think of that, you know, the poor, 
we could interpret that as someone who is less fortunate than we are, you know, and and so we have to look at our at our own life and say, how blessed am I? You know, how uh, how uh, it, if it weren't for the grace of God, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I am, and so uh, so let me help let me help bring this person along. Um, and, and that's another way of how humility looks at yourself. You don't see all your blessings as a result of your own efforts right. to uh, have gotten yourself to that position. Right. But rather you receive them as acts of God's grace to you. Yeah. You receive them because you you're have, poor as well. Right. And the exactly. Lord has remembered you. Exactly. Yeah. What else on how to help help our listeners to love? What, how how can you encourage somebody to what, what what's what's something that would help us on that front? I would say how can we, you know, talking about this idea of of loving those that are hard to love. Uh, you know, there's a burden on all of us to get outside of ourselves, our own selfishness, to not be the burdensome person. Like, at what point is the onus on the the member of the body of Christ, and in this case, the member of Kerrville Bible Church, to no longer, you guys addressed it last week, no longer be a consumer, mm-hmm. no longer just coming to, to, woe is me, what do they have for me today, nobody said hi to me today, you know, just this consumeristic attitude to challenge in the sanctification process as we guide people and walk alongside them in our own sanctification to, it's time to step up and, and move from, from spiritual milk yeah. to solid food and be a contributor. Can you imagine showing up, if everybody showed up on a Sunday morning as an example, saying, how can I serve my church today? Mm -hmm. Like, how can I be a blessing to someone today? How can I encourage someone today? If we all have, like, we would outdo one another, right? (laughs) In love and good deeds. Like, we would just, we couldn't wait to do it. And if we all really in the maturing process begin to take our eyes off of ourselves and view it that way, what a beautiful picture of the bride of Christ. Two examples come to mind, exactly what you're talking about. So let's say somebody comes to church on Sunday, we sing four or five songs, and they leave going, man, I didn't like any of those songs this week. (laughs) What is up with Toby and the songs he picks? I'm just, none of those are any good. That would be be a very consumer, self-centered attitude. Or they could walk out going, you know, out of the thousands of songs to choose from, I bet it's really difficult to decide which four or five to, to pick each week. I think I'm going to pray for Toby this week that God would give him wisdom and guidance in mm-hmm. picking songs, right? What a difference that is in, mm-hmm. in, in approach. Here's, here's another one. Back to my, you know, my lighthearted beginning of this podcast. Family Day, October 2nd. Somebody could say, well, why, why should I go? I don't want to go outside. It's hot. I don't know about there. I might get bit by a mosquito. You know, it's like, <laughs> just one? Was just, yeah. What's in it? Somebody might think, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. What's in it for me? Where another attitude might be, wow, we've got some people b- being baptized. How encouraging would it be to them to look out and see hundreds of their church family standing there witnessing mm-hmm. their baptism, mm-hmm. rejoicing with those who rejoice, mm-hmm. celebrating a miracle of God of conversion, right? Mm-hmm. And and so that's a whole other mindset of and instead of what's in it for me, 
Is it going to be inconvenient? Will it be hot? Will I have to walk too far from where I park? Or what's in it for those people getting baptized? Or what's in it for the fellowship or a conversation I could have with somebody that yeah. God appoints mm-hmm. you know, that day? So just yeah. two really concrete examples of what we're talking about. Yeah, perspective. Almost just, just perspective. It's what lens do people look through? What are the, What's their lens that they're viewing being part of the body of Christ? And what does that look like? And we should be contributors to the greater need of edification of the body, lifting up, building up of the body. That should be our goal, all that as followers of Christ, whether, whether you know, I was thinking about just being an elder-led church. The only reason this is an elder-led church is because that's the prescription in the Bible. Right. It's not because it's like, hey, this is great. We want to dominate. We want to find eight strong men or whatever. No, no, no. It's just because that's just the way the Bible did it. And so we said, well, we just want to follow the Bible, right? That's why we do that. And and with all of that flaws, with the eight men who are 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 trying to humbly lead the church, only because it's what the Bible has prescribed. Uh, but with humility, hopefully, and not with d- domineering and yeah. all the things that, that it talks about being a shepherd. And so just as the body of Christ, if we would just view, read our Bibles and read what the body of, who is the body of Christ? What is the body of Christ? How does the body of Christ contribute to one another and the needs? You know, I think of Acts 2.42 through 47 and just this this community of people coming together and saying, man, we're all messed up. We're all flawed, but we are the representers of Christ on earth. Like Jesus was here in his body. He said, when I leave, I am then leaving my body called the church. You now are going to represent me until I come back. Go get him, Tiger, you know? And that's who we are. We're right. represent. We're and so if we all just could get out of this, almost it's an Americanized churchianity. If we could get out of that and go, man, this is... I can't, y'all brought it up last week, like, I can't wait to come on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. You brought it up, Scott. Can't wait to come. And and you brought it up, Chris, that that uh, a health, mark of a healthy church is people showing up early. Like, sure. I can't tell you, because I'm the newest member here, uh, how awesome it is to drive. Like, we almost can't leave early enough <laughs> to beat the crowd. We say, hey, we're going to leave 10 minutes earlier from our house. And we get here, and I just, it's uncanny every Sunday how full the parking lot is. Yeah. I'm like, this is just crazy. Yeah, It's awesome. And it, it is a mark of a church. And so praise God that KBC does have a large sum of people who view the body of Christ in a contributing fashion yeah. and a committed yeah. fashion versus a consumer. Yeah. Praise I mean, God. Yes. Right? And, and, and I think I close with uh, an illustration that, that we bring up in the Connections class often. It's, it's the difference between back to being a member of the family and being a house guest. Hmm. You know, if you're a house guest, you're not expected to wash your sheets or clear your table <laughs> yeah, or, that's uh, right. uh, or, you know, do any of these, these things. But after a while, you know, the guest needs to become a member of the family and it's your turn to take out the trash. It's your turn to clear the table. It's your turn to whatever. And, and so that's kind of what we're talking about here. Membership is I'm, I'm in the family and I'm carrying my load to the, uh, to the, Degree that I'm able, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and participating in, in all those things. So mm-hmm. you got to go from a you got to go from a house guest 
to a family member. You got to go from a renter to an owner. Mm-hmm. You got to go from a, a visitor on a tourist visa to a citizen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these analogies. That yeah, yeah you should only have to fill out that visitor information card one time, and you only get one <laughs> gift, you know, in the mail from the church. And then after that, that's you right. need to start contributing. That's, that's right. right. That's Don't right. do a card every week, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna close with. Uh, uh, throw down the gauntlet with the ultimate one mark of a healthy church. One mark of a healthy church. Doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Mm. Drop the mic. Wow. <laughs> That's the one mark that ends all marks. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The mark that ends all marks. You could have started out that way and we'd have We could have gone to lunch. Done. Yeah. They're all, I mean, every single mark is a reflection of that mark. Yeah, yeah. doing the word. And that's and a challenge it. for us. It's a challenge for each one of us mm-hmm. at this table. It's a challenge for everybody in our church because we're all hearers of the word. We read the word. We study the word. We yeah. got Bible studies. We got sermons. And and I'm feeling this, particularly in my own life right now, that this is, uh, uh, I need to constantly be reminded I've got to be a doer of the word, not a hearer who deludes myself. Mm. Right? So that's our that's our challenge before us. Wow. Good to go. Mm-hmm. Pray and go to lunch. Let's do it. Father in heaven, thank you for our time again. Thank you for your word. Uh, thank you, God, for forgiveness for the thousands of times that we have not been doers of the word. We fall short. Lord, as we've talked today, I pray you would mark us as uh, men and women of God who love each other and love you, who see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ who walk in a pattern of humility and equality with one another, who acknowledge our need for one another, and uh, who support each other in this journey home. We pray your blessings on Kerrville Bible Church today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Kerrville Bible Church podcast. In future episodes, we would like to answer your biblical, theological, or pastoral questions. Send them to us via email at questions at kervillebiblechurch.org or leave us a text or voicemail at 830-321-0349.